September 18. Damn. What's happening, guys? Episode 18 of Nothing to Lose Podcast. 18. I'm Tony. I'm Joey. And today we are joined by, I call him Mr. El Cajon. Mr. El Cajon. But he, he has a name, so introduce <laughs> yourself. Go ahead. What's up, guys? Abraham Mohazy here. Like he said it, man, from El Cajon, baby. So, Abraham, San Diego Kings owner right now, co-owner. Used to be uh, owner of, what was it before? Depends what you're talking about right before. Gentleman's touch for a little bit. So, I guess that's where me and Joey were, like, trying to, like, put the pieces together. Because I I followed you since, because we have formal friends with Nate. So, I once Nate. Shout out to Nate, yeah. Nate Shad, (laughs) Nate Shadiggity, my boy. Papa Nate. Um, So, from there, you went to El Cajon Valley, for those people that don't know. CIF champ. We lost in CIF. Yeah, okay. You lost in CIF. It feels good hearing that, though. But but you won the you won the big prize yourself, the individual award, right? Yeah, the silver pigskin with KUSI. So you won that, and then you moved on to college. What year was that, by the way? 2005. 2005. All right. Cool. So just give us a background. So after high school, what 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 happened? Man, well, like you said, high school CIF champs. Well, runner up for CIF champs, and I did get all those awards and accolades and. It was kind of a bummer when I left high school because it was, I didn't get the scholarships or the offers that, you know, when somebody balls out that they usually get, you know, I'm thinking, man, I'm about to have the podium, pick my school. I had my boys like, hey, what school do you want to go to? You're going to be able to go to any school you want. I'm like, Florida State bound. I remember my MySpace was like, I'm Florida State bound. And people really thought I was going to Florida State, so I had to take it off. (laughs) Well, they didn't offer me yet. But, um. After high school, I uh, went over to Grossmont College because I had no scholarships. It was a depressing moment for me, but I went through it. You know, I was like, you know what? Let me figure this thing out. And right, well, what was? Oh, I mean, you had you had the accolades and stuff like that. So why didn't you get the offers? Like, what what, what was it? There's so many. There's so many like things behind why I don't get it. Why I didn't get it. Me personally, I just think where I was from, El Cajon, that high school, no one heard of us. On top of it, I was just. Middle Eastern kid, you never heard of just a Middle Eastern quarterback, you know, playing football for your team. So, okay, and I could feel it when I did have recruiters coming to into my mom's house, you know, where it's an Arab covered woman, you got the her Arab brothers and family all on the walls and pictures. And so, they're walking into this house, it's a different household, they probably never been in for all I know, or you know, you know, there's no there's no Uh, real like answer to it, you know, like I was runner up for Mr. Football of California. By my senior year, and my the guy I was running up against was Toby Gearhart. I had Cal High Sports call me. It was like, "Yo, man, where the hell did you come from?" Was some guy. I'm like, he's like, you know, you were just runner up against Toby Gearhart. I'm like, oh, the guy going to Stanford. You know, he went yeah. Stanford to <laughs> yeah, play yeah, for Minnesota, yeah. right? So the guy's like, man, the only reason you did not win it is because that guy was on varsity all four years, and they won the. It was basically like waiting for him. But yeah. if it was year to year, he's like, bro, you killed it, yeah. going both ways, and all, you know, he just talked me up and all that, but. So, that was like basically, you know, what it is. And I hate to yeah. say race, but like right. at the end of the day, it's like, what else was it? My grades was a 3.7, 3.5. Well, they weren't used to that as a recruiter. They're like, well, they're used to going to the black household, the white household. And, exactly. You know, and they're like dealing with that. And they're going to like. An Arab household. They're like, hey, like, what's going on? Like, this guy's <laughs> going to get. <laughs> that, that, exactly. Yeah. You know, we don't know if yeah. he's going to get better. We don't know yeah. if he's going to react different. You know, yeah. they, they, yeah. they didn't know, you know. So yeah. it is what it is. But I had a great ride. You know, I went to Grossmont College. I killed it at Grossmont College. Uh, my freshman year, and then Montana State, who was recruiting me, decided to take me in December 
of that year. So okay. as soon as I finished football season, they're like, yo, we want oh. you, man. They took me to Montana State, and I literally took my recruiting trip in December, and then I flew there in January. So like two weeks later, I was Damn. going to school in, in Montana State. And, uh, okay, did you finish? Culture shock. I got there, <laughs> and like, man, my first six months I'm there, and different players from California were getting in trouble because they were moving drugs yeah. throughout. They got caught about four different times. And I just got there, and I didn't know this, yeah. but the, the, about the fifth time in that six-month span, they were like, we're firing the staff. So I come home for the summer, and when I got that phone call about the staff being fired, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to Grossmont and see what other <laughs> options I got. Because guys on my team at Grossmont, when I went to Montana, I was the first one recruited out of right. Grossmont. First one I was just happy I got an offer. I'm like, yeah. damn, they actually yeah. like me. The head coach drove me back you know, with him to go to the airport. And there's like yeah. 19 of us on a recruiting trip, but he wanted me. Yeah. And it's, they wanted me, you know, I felt it. And I was like, you know what, I'm coming. But when they left and it was only there for six months, I'm like, damn, I got, I got a six month trial. Let me go ahead and go back to Grossmont. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I went yeah. back to Grossmont and then that's when the injury started happening. I tore my ACL for the first oh, time, shit. very first game at Grossmont the next season. Preseason All-American, just that luck, you know? And then right after that, um, I come back and I finish, have a ball out year. And then uh, so the you ball, did get to play at least. I did get to play. Okay. So, so I came back to Grossmont my sophomore year. Sophomore year I hurt, sat that whole year out, medical redshirt. The next year I came back and I played, and I balled out. You know, I had a great year. Um, I ended up uh, um, all conference player, and then I got recruited by Florida A and M, which is a historic black college, which yeah, is yeah, weird. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they call me up. They're like, uh, you know, this is the HBC school, right? Historic black college. I'm like. Well, you know I'm Palestinian, right? So like, I think we're all right, you know. So I'm like I don't care. I just went to Montana State. That was an all-white school. I think I'll be all right. I want to play. And my, yeah, at Florida A&M. The fact that they were playing against University of Miami, I was in. Yeah. You know. So then uh, I signed with them, and then I came home for the summer, and in the wrong place at the wrong time, I ended up getting shot in the arm. Oh my God! What? Leaving a party. I'm 20 years old. Uh, you know, just excited no, no, to go to Florida. Don't tell me that that was your throwing arm. It wasn't. It was my throwing <laughs> arms. All right, my throwing arm. I broke my freshman year. That's about as far as that extends. Okay. My uh, it was actually this arm right here that I got shot. Man. I ended up getting shot. It was a 45, leaving a party. Some guys got in beef with guys in my car right. and literally just shot it up so random. Never got caught. Um, I ended up in the hospital two weeks, multiple surgeries later, and uh, that's when like life changed for me for real. That's when I was like, I actually like typed the whole story, my whole like life story down on uh, just one hand, you know, in the, in, the, in the hospital for two weeks. And by the time um, I finished, like with the hospital after two weeks, I ended up going to Central Washington University. But those two years, it was just like, I only played in six games in two years and just got injury after injury. Just couldn't get my body back right. God, so damn, that like time frame was rough as hell for me. So you were in a healthy different state? I came back to Grossmont in Florida. I signed with them. Oh, yeah, so you never but went. But I never went. Oh, you know, They called me like two weeks before I was go saying the like, transcript rise. I couldn't. And then yeah. my coach from Montana State was like, yo, we'll take you at Texas State then. Mm-hmm. But then that's when I got shot. You know, God, that in between July 11th, 2009. What a heartbreak. It was, man. It was rough. It was rough. So what did you write about? I wrote about my whole life. I started out first, I was just talking about, you know, being an Arab trying to play football and like how hard this okay. shit is being yeah. an Arab trying to play football, you know, getting recruited, getting the looks, just having somebody admit you're better than them, you know, like little things like that where just being Arab was difficult and I could see that, you know, you yeah. deal with it your whole life. But um yeah, man, uh did you have your, your parents support or your mom support? Yeah, my mom was very supportive. It was a single mom. Okay. But she was very supportive, man. Yeah. Everything Jesus I do is Christ. for my mom. She worked her ass off. I did, off, I did not see that last part coming. <laughs> I, did, I did not see 
<laughs> I didn't. I didn't even notice that. I yeah. didn't notice that. Damn. Yeah. Okay. So you wrote it, everything like. All yeah, I, I wrote it and um, I stopped by the time I was in Washington. Okay. And uh, you published it or is it just no, no, no. It's still it? sitting in my laptop now. You know, I'm waiting for that day to like okay. finally. So we're, we're expecting a book. Give me another year. Give me another year. Expect, Expect a book. book. For you sure. heard it here first. It's always poured down. I already named it. It's always poured oh, down. That's how I live my life. Like, it's always poured down. That's cool. You got to either go for it or got to get rid of it. So you finish college, get a degree, and? So I actually left Central Washington six months before <laughs> I would have finished so my degree. So what happened now, though? <laughs> so literally, I'm in Central Washington. I get hurt. Those two years, I'm there, and I'm dealing with a coach that was, like, riding me and basically, like, bullied the hell out of me. Okay. For two years. Do you think you think because you're Palestinian? That and a California kid, and I wasn't his recruit. There's a yeah. multiple of things. You know what I mean? Like, he had a recruit. I was from Seattle, Washington, but uh, I was from California. So I was the kid that just got shot. That one of the coaches at Central Washington remembered me. And was like, we need that guy here. So without even a recruiting trip, he's like, bro, you're signed, and I'm gonna bring you here. I'm like, cool, I'm coming. So I go to Central Washington, and he introduced me to the DB coach. He was a linebacker coach. Introduced me to DB coach. DB coach. Just recruited this tall, 6'2 white dude from Seattle. It's his guy. He wants to make him his guy. Yeah. So I'm getting there, and they're, like, trying to figure out who's going to start. And it's pretty obvious. Me and another dude were, like, <laughs> the best two. But he didn't want those two as the starters. We weren't his recruits. We were both from San Diego. So happened. Shout out to Loa Madden, my guy. <laughs> and, uh, and me and him were, like, easily the best ones. But he wanted to keep us in a rotation. So the other two that he rec- recruited were in a rotation in. So I'm sitting there trying to get a rhythm. I'm balling. When I do get in, people are like, bro, why does this guy keep taking you out? And I got to sit there and like, I do not know, but it's frustrating getting taken out of a game and I've never had in my life. So I'm like That's dealing with that. Because you it was a very star. Different. You were a star in high school. Like you watched PPR when it barely started and it was you. Like, yeah. I remember like I'm a freshman. I'm watching you just ball out. I'm like, who is this kid? And he's falling out. You were going both ways. Yeah. And then just to, that's a culture shock too and everything. Yeah, I mean, those were good times. You know, I was at the top of my game where, that, that's where it was, even at Grossmont. You know, at first I dealt with a coach that wasn't feeling me, but again, I came through it and all of a sudden he was loving me by the end of the season. You know, I was okay. his guy. Six so months. it was always like that for me, you know, but then, but for this guy, for some reason, I just could not crack. So <laughs> okay. for two years, this motherfucker was riding me like no other. Simple, you weren't his recruit. You know, I you wasn't his recruit, I wasn't his, his guy. You know, it, it was weird. And then by my senior year, they moved me to linebacker, and I'm like, yes, I'm going with the guy that recruited me. Yeah. I get there, he's like, Abe, man, you're intelligent. I'm so happy to have you as, like, my outside linebacker. Like, you're an athlete. You're going to just kill it. I'm like, yes. And I'm just getting off. I played four games my junior year there. Uh-huh. Tore, retore my ACL. Oh, Damn. come on. <laughs> I know. Bro. It gets worse. <laughs> so then I get my body back right, but then they move me to backer. The DB coach tried to downplay me, like, oh, you just retore your knee, you're gonna be slower, we're gonna be back. I'm like, cool. I got up out of his office, like, let me go to my linebacker guy, Coach Collins, who just recruited me, because this guy loves me. Yeah. So I go to him in his office, and he's just like, hey man, I know you just got back from injury. I want you to uh, take your time. He's like, you're my guy. Don't feel like you have to rush to get back. Take your time. So he made me feel good. I'm like, yes. I get home for the summer. I'm busting out for my senior year. I even come back a month early to school because I'm like, I'm going to work it out. Like, this right. is my last chance. I'm about to bust my ass. And they're like, Coach Collins calls me. He's leaving. He left. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to Portland State. I'm like, no. I literally cried. I hung up and cried. Like, damn, that was like my only hope. I'm like, all right, get it together, Abe. Like, I'm going to get it right. So I get back out there. <laughs> I'm like, so who's the new linebacker? Because I, I want to meet him. I'm here early, a month early to meet him. They're like, oh, you didn't know? 
DB coach. Your DB coach. And now you're linebacker coach. So for that senior year, it was just hell. Damn. It was hell, man. And like, and then after two games, I'm in a rotation again. He moves that same DB, the dude from Seattle, to linebacker. It's like, he's in your spot until you beat him out. That's how he started it out. Man, it was, it was hell, like, dealing with that. It was like, it was a depressing moment for me. And then by, like, game two, I re-break the freaking bone in my arm right. that I just got shot in. And that was it, man. That was, like, the last of my football. So, like, mentally, I could not stay in Washington for another six months for a piece of paper to say, hey, you're smart enough to pass college. Yeah, but that would have done so, I, mean, I don't know. That, that would have just, if you would have just, I know got, people that something like out of it. Two just classes away, though. I did. You know? No, I did. You know, I took classes that I knew I needed, and it was classes to learn more about people. I took public speaking, I took journalism, I took um, all types of different communication classes, uh, African American history, Latin American history, European history, all different things where I just wanted to learn more about people. Right. Because at the end of the day, whatever you're gonna do in life comes from people. Yeah. Money, yeah. your radio show, anything, it just requires people. Right. So that was my main focus. And man, I got so much out of it, even the public speaking class. I remember going up in the public speaking class, I wouldn't have been able to just take over a room, speak, yeah. and like do my thing, but that public speaking class really broke it down. I remember yeah. my first first day trying to speak public, I'm like, I didn't want to look up out, out of my paper. But by the end, I'm writing stuff on the board, I'm answering questions, I'm controlling the room. Yeah, 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 People yeah. were coming to me after like, man, you could be a motivational speaker. But like, yeah. that's what I got out of it. You know, the journalism class, the broadcasting classes. Broadcasting, look, I'm doing, I work with KSI PPR right now on the IGTV. Yeah. They didn't say, where's your broadcasting degree? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, all right, so, so let's, Let's like flip it for a moment because we, 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 we have you on here. We're not just interested in like what has happened to you, but we want to know what have you done because that, 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 that should have buried you. For sure. It would have so buried most people. For what, sure. What have you done to get to where you're at? And me and Tony know everything you've accomplished or most things you've accomplished, you know, things that are in the news and stuff. But can you give us a rundown? of your charities, of your business, and things that you're doing right now for the community and yourself that made you a success story. So, you know, after all that and, uh, you know, being buried and that's why, you know, writing my book was therapy for me as well, where I got to lay it all out. But, um, you know, I did want to quit. I wanted to be like, screw this. I started thinking of just, let me just go get a job, live a regular life, just stop thinking so much because yeah. I was stuck in my own head, but I couldn't, yeah. you know? so. I just kept hustling, way. man. I just wasn't riding that way. So I just kept hustling. I had a buddy, uh, Chris Williams, who taught me. Can you X that? So <laughs> I had a buddy, Chris Williams, who uh, before I left the college, I would always see him at the barbershop dressed to the T, business right. guy. And uh, what I didn't tell you guys, when I was 18 and the first time I got hurt, I actually joined a network marketing company called okay. Prepaid Legal. And that, like, they got me to read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life. I got to hear the author Robert Kiyosaki speak in Oklahoma cool. because some 29-year-old millionaire when I was 18 was like, bro, if you want to be a millionaire, be in Oklahoma next week. I'm like, bro, I ain't got money to go to Oklahoma. <laughs> He's like, figure it out if you want to be a millionaire. And I thank God every day I, I did it. I got a one-way ticket, cashed out my account, I had like 300 bucks, only 18. Yeah. Like, I got money. Yeah, yeah. Bought that one-way ticket, convinced like these two girls and my boy, we all got one-way tickets, flew out there, Got to hear Robert Kiyosaki speak. I ended up getting his book, read it in like two days. Changed my life. One little thing that changed my life in there, and it's crazy because it, I'm like leaning into like what made me think different and just chase yeah. you know, my dreams right. was our thought process. He basically said, if you drive a car off the lot, 
it depreciates asset. Yep. It's a depreciating mm -hmm. asset. True. Right. Just hearing that, I was growing up in El Cajon thinking, oh man, if he drove a Benz, he's rich. Right. Yeah. For some reason, that was my thought process. I just need no. a Benz, I'm balling and I'm rich. Nope. That, just that line in that book was like, damn. And I dug through that book. So it's just been, I've just been on an entrepreneur run since. So my buddy Chris Williams, when I got back from college. How'd you get back from Oklahoma? Uh, from Oklahoma, we drove back. We rented a car, we rented a car and drove back from Oklahoma. <laughs> Took us a whole day and a half, like two days to get back. Best trip ever, man. All of us just talking about, you know, what, what we just what seen on stage. On, on. You know what I mean? We were yeah. motivated. And I just kept that motivation. It just never left. For most people, it left. Yeah. Everybody, they got back, you know what I mean? Parked up and right. motivation gone. Me, I was like, and I never stopped since. So when I did get shot, that's why I started writing my book. You know, I was just tapping into my own mind. And so when I got back and uh, my boy Chris Williams, uh, the guy dressed to the T was mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm starting a company in transportation and we're raising capital and I think you'd kill it raising capital. So this guy started teaching me how to get on the phone, cold call to raise capital, 49, asking investors for $49,000 for 1% of the company. Now that shit is hard. Okay. So like 49 grand, I couldn't even say it at first. I remember seeing the script and I'm like, hey, hey Chris, is this supposed to be 4,900 or 49,000? He's like, bro, 49,000. Say that shit right now. 49,000. I'm like, 49,000. Man, that's a lot of money, bro. I'm like, wow. What was the company? It was Entertainment Transportation Systems. What does that do? So it was basically what we were going to do, what Uber's doing in transportation, but for party buses. So we were going to get decked out buses. We ended up raising 1.8 mil. We had like 15 buses. And that's where my social media and my knowledge in college started kicking in. Okay. We raised all this capital. We got all these buses. But these buses were just, we got them. Now we had to run them. We had to make money while we were still trying to put together a system. So we started running these buses through social media. I started pumping it out. Party buses, party buses, party right. buses. So for two years, I started landing deals with like different clubs to promote party buses, connecting them. parties, bachelor parties. Anything birthdays. you could think of with party buses, quinceaneras, birthdays, weddings, everything. So uh, I jumped into that and started going hard at that for four years. But we were constantly trying to raise capital because you constantly need capital. There's insurance on the buses. I started learning what a real business took to run because yeah. I was with the CEO who started the business. So I got to see it firsthand. Yep. See this guy under pressure, under stress, dealing with investors, dealing with the company, dealing with customers, dealing with clients. I'm like, damn, this guy's a beast. So I got to learn it. I got to see it. So then I started doing it. You know what I mean? So I started working more and more with him on those type of deals where okay. I would start locking in clubs. And, you know, I started just... Right. Talking to business owners, and it was weird at first. I'd be like, uh, talk to Chris, talk to Chris. But then it got to a point where I just started stepping up. So, you build your social media off of that? I had, a, I've had a social media, no, but you, you had something else too, right? You were running another account, it was uh, XMG, yeah, XMG. So, XMG, yeah, yeah. so you ran XMG through that, or you used I started XMG, XMG. Okay. I started XMG, and then I started teaching Chris. We started becoming more of a media team. Got what it. is XMG for the, for the listeners? Experience Management Group. Okay. And so that's what the party buses were running on. Entertainment Transportation Systems, where we were raising money with okay. the investors. XMG Experience Management Group was what Got we it. were promoting and marketing with. Okay, them. so so the, the party buses were one thing, and then XMG is like, is that like the corporate umbrella that houses the so party buses? ETSJV, Entertainment Transportation Systems, joint is, venture, is, owns is the, the buses. XMG Experience Management Group subsidiary operated God, the bus city okay the okay. parties and but the, you you owned it I didn't own nothing no, no, no I was just the guy raising XMG. it with them okay yeah I just started the social media it was ground level ground zero I was eating off of like 200 bucks a week still living at home on my mom like struggling you know but I was like so motivated I'm talking to investors I'm watching that movie that, that Facebook again. movie. $200 for how long $200 a week for how long $800 a month 
for four years. Four years. But yeah. when I crack deals or we had something, I'd get money. Yeah. But four At, years, base. base, $200 a week. Everything. And then towards the end, we would get struggle even more. It'd be less than that sometimes. You know, it, just, it literally depended on like the, the company. Yeah. So that's when I really learned like you're only as good as your company. Like, yeah, you could be the CEO. Great. Oh, man, that guy's a CEO. Is he the CEO of a $100 million company? The CEO of a company failing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a huge difference. So after four years, um, things started changing. You know, we, the buses were depreciating assets. Oh, yeah. Our system, our application was going way more expensive than what we thought to build out an Uber type application. That's why they raised a billion. We yeah. only had like two million. Yeah. <laughs> Big difference. Yeah. And so with that, um, I had to I had to move on. You know, it was like, damn. Ah, okay. I'm struggling. So, so you you bailed before it went under. So you you like kind of it was it was shifting. Up. He was going from raising capital on the buses and whatnot, and then it was like the shift with the whole medical marijuana coming. He shifted because he was actually getting licensing, and he's actually killing it right now in the medical marijuana game. Right. But at that time, towards the end of our run with that, I started El Cajon Pro-Am, the basketball right. league out of El Cajon. Okay, that is what I want to talk about. <laughs> All right, that, that is what I want to touch on. I had to get that backstory yeah. too. I had oh, to get no, you no, there. No, no, seriously appreciate it because now it all makes sense. Like there, there wasn't a paper trail. Right, 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 that, right. That led to where you are right now. Right, so right. This is good. So football star starts a basketball league. So <laughs> the depression of like not playing football no more. Just I had to start. Just wants hooping. to be so an alley. I'm, I'm playing with my boys Ted, Ronnie, Hani, my guys from El Cajon that would travel all the way downtown <clears> to San Diego High to play in the men's league okay. every week. So they called me a few times. I went. Then it was like a weekly thing, so I, I had to pay my fee. It was like a hundred bucks. I'm like, damn, hundred bucks. Ten of us on a team. I'm like, that's a thousand. Mm-hmm. Ten teams, that's ten grand. I'm like, I know it doesn't cost ten grand to win the damn league. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like doing the math, and we'd all go out to eat after. You know, I'm busting their balls about the hundred, just because that's me, anyways, messing yeah. with them. And then I'm like, man, you know what? We could start our own basketball league. Yeah. So I was like, man, let me go talk to Elko High and let them know, because if we can make ten grand for a league, I was like, what are we gonna do? Split up like five grand? I was like, screw all that. Let's get our league running. We won't have to drive downtown. We'll just donate the money to El Cajon. Like, yeah. do it. So, all we want to do is ball. Oh, 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 <laughs> all you want to do is ball. Oh, hold on, hold on. He said what? donate. He said donate. He said, he said donate. He said donate. He, he didn't donate. say donut. Don- he said donate. <laughs> donate. The guy that made only $200 a week for four years. Is willing to make 10 G a pop for a season of men's basketball to give it all away. To give it away. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Mind blowing. I guess. I guess. Well, that's just. And the strategy worked, man, because I got I got somewhere from it, you know. Okay. So basically, everybody else thought I was crazy too. Like, bro, you're doing a lot to be giving them the money. So I wanted to do it differently. I was like, how can I get businesses involved? So I just started thinking differently. I just got done talking to investors about fifty grand to yeah. invest. So I just started walking into businesses one by one in El Cajon and wherever, and asked them for five hundred bucks to sponsor a team in my basketball league. And hey, Mr. Hey, Dirty Birds general manager, 500 bucks, man, I'm gonna have this on Facebook Live. I'm gonna have kids recording it. You know, I got two phones, one for Facebook Live and one just to record because I can cut highlights at the end of the night. So every day, every Sunday, these basketball leagues, I was cutting highlights throughout my phone mm-hmm. for the whole night, cutting highlights. The Facebook Live was running, but I was paying two kids 20 bucks every day at Elko and I just to record it for me. So I'm running this league and I got. Sponsors dropping 500. Just like, bro, 500 bucks. This is gonna be a, a league going on for two months. Yeah. 500 bucks. You won't get social media exposure for one month for 500 bucks. I'm gonna yeah. give you this for two months. Every Sunday with highlights from guys 
You never know what you're gonna get out of these highlights. Shit can go viral. Yeah. 500 bucks is a good shot. Yeah. So boom, I'm getting 500 bucks. So I got 10 different sponsors, 500 bucks, that's five grand there. So I got to cut the fees down for the players to 50 bucks instead of 100 bucks. So you got more teams. So I got more, t- I got the 10 teams. Oh, 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 we're getting excited. <laughs> so I got the 10 teams and um, they only had to pay 50 bucks. I didn't have to like strangle yeah. these guys so, for 100 So then bucks you're each. taking business from the San Diego League as well because I'm sure those guys would rather pay 50 and travel to El Cajon as opposed to pay 100. For sure. I don't even think the San Diego League kept going, but I didn't oh keep up with it. God. I was just trying to run the best all league. Right, all right, yeah. So I have banners up in the gym. Every team, every sponsor had their own color jersey with their name on it. So you were Team Dirty Birds. I was Team Gentleman's Touch because I owned that at the right. time too, which was right after. Um, there was like Miss Lounge, who's still actually a sponsor even with the Kings now. So I built these great relationships. I went and got a, a bunch of sponsors just to cover the league every two months. Gentleman's Touch, by the way, that's that suit company, right? No, that's no, no. I actually know? started it was a manicure pedicure business for oh, men. Oh, where was that located? Was I had it in a right? couple different barbershops. So the strategy Barber behind shops. that. Damn. <laughs> so I start, okay, so okay. after I left, so I basically started with the men's league while I was still working with XMG. Yeah. But the whole nightlife thing, party buses, then going into marijuana while I was still like, Doing this for the school, I, and then within four months, I got ninety five hundred for the school donated. Boom, covered all expenses, fees, everything. Ninety five hundred for the school. For the so that was like a huge department. win. How did, how did that feel to hand that check? Like I saw the photos and everything, the pictures on Instagram. But you, alma mater, you went to the school. You're handing them a check for ninety five hundred. Mr. Alcohol. <laughs> Man, honestly, that was like the best feeling in the world. Right. That was like I didn't even have ninety five hundred, but right. giving my school ninety five hundred, that was dope. You know what I mean? Just to get kids. ASB cards from $20 down to seven and then all freshmen got them free. So that was dope for me. Basically for me, I was like, the school, you want school spirit? Give them their ASB cards so they can come to the football games for free, come to the basketball games for free. If I'm a freshman, they told me 80% of the kids weren't buying ASB cards. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm a freshman and I come into school and eight out of 10 people are like, no, I ain't got it, no, I ain't got it. Well, shit, I ain't gonna get it either. So I'm like, make sure people got it. So we got it down to seven and we got free, Freshman got it, and they said they said it made it made a big difference, you know. So I was happy uh, about that. Yeah, like, that would make a big difference. You know? so I was excited about that part. You're welcome. And that's what made me start Alumni United too, <laughs> my nonprofit. So as I was walking into these businesses asking them for money, they're like, "Where, where do we write the check to?" I'm like, "Abraham Wade." <laughs> then I started thinking like, "Damn, that looks bad." So I started ECV United just for Oklahoma. Like it was just a, a business account, and then that's when I learned about nonprofits, 501c3. 501c3. Those guys yeah. want their tax write-off. They're like, "Yo, where's my tax ID?" And I'm like, "What the hell's a tax ID?" You know. <laughs> It's a nonprofit organization's tax ID number. Yeah. So I ended up, um, I ended up filing for uh, a nonprofit. You know, a, a lot of the money I was getting with sponsors and the, the teams and whatnot, put some of that towards getting so a, a alumni for, nonprofit. For and, to qualify as a nonprofit, whatever revenue you generate covers like uh, the expenses of the company. Yes. And then everything else that that would be, you know, like extra, you would donate to some sort of. Or to the ASB at Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah, but, but your 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 expenses are still covered though, right? Like your exactly, your yeah, yeah. Payroll and stuff like that. Yeah, that you have on. it wouldn't even be visible if I couldn't yeah. cover my exactly. expenses with okay. it. You know, For, oof, that shit. would be hard. Cover so, my expenses and donate. So, like, ECV is a five hundred one c three alumni united. Uh, I changed alumni to alumni united. united because I wanted to make it more broad. Uh huh. And, and then, that's when I got approached about owning a basketball Kings. team. Well, I didn't yeah. get approached about the Kings. I actually was approached about. A guy who had a team in Oceanside, and he wanted his team basically in Oklahoma. And I'm like sitting there thinking, like, okay, let me know what's in it for me besides just giving you everything I just built this past year with my basketball league. But he had no answer on that. So I'm like, let me figure out what this ABA thing is. So I did my research. I actually emailed the ABA, and they got back like, hey, if you want to franchise a team, you seem like the guy that we want in this, in this, in this league. You know? And I'm like, hell yeah. So 
I literally just got a credit card and I put it on there. Didn't even have the money for it. Boom, I own the team. At first, I was calling it alumni or United Basketball. Because right. uh, then I'm like, shit, I need to figure out how I'm going to get this team funded. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I need to either raise a shit ton of money through sponsors or I need to find some type of sponsorship or a partnership. You have to, you have to pay the players, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to pay with players, with the gym, everything. everything. Everything you can think of. Marketing. Gear, marketing, yeah. the logo. Anything you can think of costs money. Everything costs money. And I learned that hard, especially mm-hmm. in my first season. So I literally started doing my research, and I found out there was this team in Jacksonville, Florida called um, the Jacksonville Giants. Okay. And they were owned by an accident attorney, and they were back-to-back champions, best team in the league, decked out. They were getting six to 8,000 people to their games out in Jacksonville. Uh, Still, to this day, they get damn. six to 8,000. So I'm like, I need an accident attorney. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I was doing party buses, I was trying to contact this guy, King Amanpour, mm-hmm. 619-333. I'd see this guy's number everywhere, all threes. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, trying to contact him, couldn't get in touch with him. And because I wanted him to rap buses, yeah. our buses, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, dang, let me uh, figure something out. I put together a proposal December of 2016. By June of 2017, I finally snuck into his office and I pitched him on the San Diego Kings and that's how we became the San Diego Kings. So the Kings is named after your business venture partner. Yes, King Amanpour. That was part of the pitch. Um, that was part of the marketing plan. You know, kind of similar to what I did with the basketball league, but on a bigger scale with somebody who would wow. love the marketing. You, you buttered that shit <laughs> up and you served it right to him. But he waited six months, bro. Yeah. I had to get my package right. I had to pitch it. You know, I pitched a few people the plan. Yeah. And uh, I had a couple no's, and he was my third, like, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Okay, so tell us about the Kings. Where do they play out of? So the Kings, we play out of Lincoln High School. Okay. Uh, my general manager and head coach is Jeff Harper Harris. He's a guy that's heavily involved in the community, especially in the southeast around Lincoln. Okay. And, um, yeah, he's my general manager, head coach of the team. We play out of Lincoln High School. I have my assistant uh, head coach, Louis Velez. Uh, my other assistant coach, Corey Wright, um, put together tryouts for it. Uh, Jeff put together those team of guys, which was amazing. And once our first tryouts hit, man, I seen this guy knew what he was doing, and he took over from there and mm-hmm. uh, led our team to become Far West Division champions in the ABA and made it to the Elite Eight all the way to Texas. I mean, unfortunately, we lost, but in our first season, it was a, an experience of a lifetime. Now I'm going into second season and looking to take this thing to another level. Okay. How many um, how many teams are in the ABA right now? Do you know? Right now, it's up to 100 and I think 44. Okay. Yeah. So out of 144, you got to the... Elite eight. Elite eight. Yeah, we finished ranked number season. three. We ranked number three. Out of one out of one hundred and forty four. Uh, yeah. Shit. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Not I, bad. I actually mean. And that. I gotta give credit to Coach mm-hmm. Jeff and those guys, man. You know me. I, I didn't know how to put together plays, defenses. I know how to play ball. Right. You know, cover that guy. That's my guy. Cool. I can do all that. Okay. You know. Hey, give me the ball. I know when to pass and shoot. Cool. But like the X's and O's and what Jeff did and our hard nosed defense, this guy literally had our bench of twelve. And we played full court press defense all game long, just getting our bench in and out. Boom, boom, boom. So by the second quarter, those guys were dying were tired. The first. By the yeah. fourth quarter, they were dying after halftime. Like, yeah. So we would just put it on teams. How'd you, like, pitch, run them down. Yeah. How'd you pitch Jeff to come on board? So Jeff, I pitched him a few times. I went and showed up at his school a few times uh, over Jeff at Reach Academy in, in El Cajon. And uh, not, not so much bugging him. I, I, I threw it at him a little bit. I'm, I'm looking for some coaches, trying to see what's up. You know, I'm... I'm trying to be all about the community. Okay. That's really you my main right focus. There. And that's that's basically what he said. That's what sold him on me. He was like, this guy was serious about getting involved with the community because he was heavily involved with the community. 
and that was my reason to go in, uh, to him. So by the time I was ready to go, he was like, man, I'm in. So you guys found common ground on your charitable works. Exactly. That's nice. Boom. That's nice. Feel the deal. You know, about like 30, 45 minutes ago when we started this podcast, you told us the most depressing shit. <laughs> <laughs> you told us the saddest goddamn story of your life. And then look at the way you flipped it. Yeah, man. And, it's and crazy. then you don't owe anything other than hard ass work. That's it, man. That's it. That's my focus. Hard work. I work as hard as I work, you know, <clears> on my work, <throat> I work on that on my family. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm newly married. Hey, uh, congrats. Thanks, congrats. man. I appreciate it. And uh, I got an amazing wife, Cassandra Mohazy now. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. My baby girl. My baby girl, Cadence, her daughter, who's a stepdad. But, um, man, you see, like, when I wake up and I see that little girl in my arms in the morning, it's like no feeling like it. You know what I mean? So that drive of, like, working hard and working hard on my relationship and my family is, like, the most important thing. You know, I've always been a family guy. I come from a mom who was a single mom who yeah. busted her ass, worked her ass off just to take care of her family in her home. Let so me ask she, you something. Yeah. Because you just seem like a guy who's got, like, a fire under your ass, right? It's burning. So, <laughs> so what, what makes you like this? Like, what in the world makes you so motivated? Because most people, when they just, like, go through the shit that you've been through, not that anybody's been through what you've been through, <laughs> but people who, you know, have yeah. fallouts and stuff like that, they don't come back and they just kind of, like, ride the wave and it's kind of like, I'm going to get a nice job. I'm going to sit in the office all day. I'm just going to do whatever. But, like, you pushed it for four years on 800 bucks a month, turned your own business, turned some tricks, and then you ended up doing some charitable good works. In the meantime, while you were starving, <laughs> found a business venture, found a business partner, ended up ABA qualified. And like, so like what, what makes you different than the 99% of people out there? Like, how do you do it? I just think uh, I don't stop, you know? Like, is there it, is no like, quit. Is I don't feel like, I don't feel like, I have anxiety or I'm in a hurry or it's going to end or, you know, I just feel like if I keep grinding, it's going to pop, you know what I mean? Cause it's popped for me already, you know, it's worked. So it's like, once I've seen it work, it's like, damn, I got to make it work again. And, and having a mom who was a single mom of four, didn't speak no English when we were here. I was the only one born here in America out of my brothers and sisters. They came a year before I was born. I was basically my mom's translator. So I would go to the store with my mom. I'm like translating, where's the bread or where's this? <laughs> Talking to my mom at like three years old. You know, three, four, five, six, the bank, the post office, the stores, like anywhere you think of, I was at my mom's hip, seeing her grind it out, you know, seeing her having to pinch whatever money to get whatever we need. Cause she got three other mouths and me to feed at home, you know? So I got to see that to up until I was 13. And then she became her grind and her like struggle. And she became an in-home nurse. One in-home nurse from Del Mar, Billy McVeigh, uh, actually was like, you know what? I'll double your money. and just leave you here with me full time. I want to keep you here. So my mom literally was 24 hours like living with this woman, only coming home on Sundays. And that'd be like my special day with her for like, I don't know how many years. So that drive of seeing like what she would work for makes me realize like, shit, I'm working for something huge, you know? So Jeez, I owe her, I still got this house pictured in my head that, that I owe you know? Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, this, yeah, this island off, off the So that's like that drive, yeah. you know? It's like, I, I can't stop. If I stopped, I'd feel like a sucker. You know, I done been shot, I college and, I just can't stop now, you know? It's like, I gotta keep going. So like, it's easier for me to stay up late at night working, working on proposals, working on So this is just natural like, instinct. This is just internal drive. Yeah, you know, so I so, wake up every day, I'll have my notes on my desk at home, you know, desk like this, but a little lower, but. <laughs> <laughs> All so, my notes on it, you know, it's, a, it's an everyday thing for me now. So there's, there's like nothing eating at you. You're just a driven guy. That's it. You got a clean conscience? 
Yeah, I sleep great <laughs> at night. God damn. Just, hey, I keep it real, man. Uh-huh. I always say three P's that I stick by. Okay, and just post on it so I can get out of our ear. But, like, seeing, seeing who you are right now and, like, just meeting you, like, an hour ago, I can't even imagine you being shot or being <laughs> as down. He's the most positive and upbeat person I think we've had on the show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, His you, energy. You, just, you, you, just, you just took over. <laughs> you just took over. I appreciate he, it. He woke you up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, getting over a cold, and I, now I'm, like, I got to go do something. Like, <laughs> let me go sell something to somebody. Yeah. Man, like I said, if I could give anything and leave anybody with anything, is those three Ps I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Practice, patience, right. positivity. Because everything I do, I practice my ass off in it. I stay patient and I always stay positive. You know, Trust the process. like I'm the type of person. If I lost a hundred, yeah, I'm gonna be pissed, but I'm be like, shit, man, good thing I didn't lose five hundred. I damn, you know, I like mind fuck myself sometimes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it, and it's and I consistently do that. Yeah. You know, what I mean, you consistently do that. That's, that's how dope. you become. You know, on a regular basis. And it took that eighteen year old kid when I read that rich dad poor dad book. I started listening to CDs in my car. I took out the music, talking about boats and hoes. And I started listening to boats. <laughs> I started listening to you know John uh, Jim Rohn. You know, guys that like really got in my ear. Now I listen to like ET the hip hop preacher, Gary Vaynerchuk. I always see you liking this stuff. Yeah. I'm always on this stuff yeah. too. You know, I, I just keep that. And it's like just c- constantly sharpening my tools, you know? Just constantly sharpening it. And that's what you become, man. Preach. Oh, Preach. Nice. <laughs> well, you got practice to go to. I do. Got practice <laughs> yeah, at 7 30. I'll be hitting there right now. Hey, man, it has been a goddamn pleasure. Yes, it has. Appreciate it, guys. It's been pleasure. Boom, boom, boom. Appreciate it. Guys, yeah. like this. Go give Abe a follow. Give this uh, podcast a rating, please. This is uh, something to listen to. Subscribe. This is something to listen to. Uh, anybody in El Cajon that you haven't heard of Abe? Box City, baby. What's up with that? There you go. The box. Shout out. Shout, Shout out. out. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.